Thank you for praying with us. We're going to turn to the Bible now and um, our series, mini-series in Revelation. Ron's going to be speaking from a passage in chapter 7. So I'm going to read that passage to you and then just give a little introduction to today's talk. So if you want to follow it, Revelation chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. And then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And then there's a list of the different tribes. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out, cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing round the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and, be made, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's just pray together. Lord, as we listen in a few minutes to Ron's um, sharing from um, Revelation, we pray you give us ears to hear what you would have us hear this morning. Thank you for this amazing book of the Bible. Lord, in many ways, we, we take in the symbolism and the, all the different parts of it, but we know that through it all, you're saying that the Lamb wins, Jesus wins. No matter what it looks like, Jesus wins. And so we pray that you give us ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In Ron's um, message this morning, he'll be talking a lot about numbers. So he's going to be focusing on numbers. And there are a lot of numbers in the book of Revelation. Uh, sometimes numbers are important. Sometimes they're not important at all. Uh, if that, someone asks my age, I say, it's just a number. It's just a number. It's not important. And, and I heard, came across this equation today. So um, don't worry if you can't work the equation out quickly because... It doesn't really matter, but take the date of your birth and add 80 years, 
And if you're male, take two years off. And if you're female, add two. And if you're a smoker, take 10 years off. The date you're left with is the date statistically in this nation that you will die. Okay? And some of you who are good at maths are already working that out. And I tried to say it quickly so that you couldn't. Um, For me, that means in this statistic that in 2044, at the age of 78, I will go and be with Jesus. Uh, Part of me wants not to wait that long to be honest. Uh, And if you ask me what that number means to me, I would say it means absolutely nothing to me. Partly because I know that I'm with Jesus and whatever number I get to, um, it's just the beginning of a new life in Christ Jesus. But some numbers are important and the numbers in the book of Revelation are important and they have things to say to us. So Ron will be talking about the number 6, 7, 12, and 144,000. And often these are misunderstood numbers, particularly by sects and cults that have a field day with numbers. Just one example. The 7 million worldwide base one of their core beliefs, if you've ever spoken with them, on that number 144,000. And they would teach and believe that 144,000 of reigning with Christ while the rest will inherit an earthly hope, but not as good a hope as being in heaven. Which begs the question, who gets in? What do you have to do to get into 144,000? Well, you have to work. Performance-based. Works-based. So whenever you're talking with Jehovah's Witnesses who come to your door, because they do come to mind, I often wonder whether Baptist Mance puts them off. Not a bit of it! I think I'm sort of regarded as special. Thank you. And, um, but often we have this discussion. I think, well, Jesus says, I'm in. And I don't have to do anything to earn it. I don't have to be good enough. I'm just in because he loves me. That is brilliant. And I have the Holy Spirit in my life. You don't actually believe in the Holy Spirit, do you? No, they don't. They don't believe Jesus is divine either, which is another one that you can discuss with them. How depressing then that you might not be in the number that gets to heaven. When Jesus speaks through Revelation, which is a revelation to John by Jesus, he is telling us something really important, that the 144,000 is not a literal number, okay? And the way that it's split up into 12 perfectly even groups of 12,000 alert us to the fact that they are symbolic. And if you read through the tribes, they're not the original tribes because Ephraim is replaced by Joseph, Dan is replaced by Levi. It's a symbolic number, meaning that great multitude that he goes on to speak about in verse 9. And he looks in heaven and there's a great multitude from every tribe, language and tongue. That's what it means. The clue is given in that passage, no one can count the number from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It is more a symbol than a statistic. And the Lord knows who are his. It talks about him sealing those who are his. And he knows those who are not his. And we're praying, aren't we? 
pray with me for Alpha. We're just after week three, and uh, people are on a journey of faith. And, uh, but we're seeing people opening up to the truth about who Jesus is. Pray that they'll come to faith in Jesus. Jesus doesn't fail to save anyone who turns to him in faith. And the battles and challenges and persecution that we may experience in this life, we know that nothing, no one can separate us from his love. No one can snatch us out of his hand. So let's listen to Ron as he shares from this passage. Once I worked as a chaplain in a hospital, it was in a suburb of Los Angeles, which was dominated by people from a Chinese background. And we had a recovery ward there, fourth floor, west wing. But I noticed that if you said to a Chinese patient, we'll take you over to four west now, they would put their hands to their heads and say, oh, I see, I am to die after all. Because numbers and locations foretold your destiny. Four was the number of death for traditional Chinese. West, the direction it came from. For a Westerner, we attached no significance to Four West. It was just a locator. And one of my main jobs as a chaplain was to explain to many Chinese patients that Four West was not their death sentence because there was no symbolic significance to that number. It's the opposite with the Book of Revelation. Yes, numbers matter a lot. Certain numbers are part of the history of the faith and tell us about our destiny. But unlike the Chinese experience in the hospital, they're all positive. In this book, the first Christian hearers and readers would have taken great comfort from the numbers. The numbers in this book come as a comfort to Christians in conflict. They are intended to inspire not to bemuse. Well, the first number that everyone has to notice about Revelation is the number seven. It's everywhere. Seven lamps representing the churches. Seven stars hailed by Christ. Seven churches given a letter. Seven seals. Seven trumpets. Seven plagues. Seven bowls. There have been... So why would John go to such lengths? What's the comfort in it? The number seven in the Bible means it's complete. And it's the most significant symbolic number in the whole of the scriptures. Seven days for creation. It's very good after seven days. Seven times for complete purification in the Levitical code. The Lord has seven eyes in Zechariah roaming the whole earth. Everything is seen. And because of its completeness, it's often regarded as symbolic of God himself. The seventh day of creation God rested. It's his day, his number. So how does this work to comfort a persecuted believer? Well, first of all, let's back up a little and see how symbols actually comfort. This is a Lalibela cross. Lalibela is a city sacred to the Orthodox Christians of Ethiopia. Now imagine you're an Orthodox Christian in jail for your faith. You're worried. You've had a beating or two. You're wondering if you're going to be able to keep your testimony. And one day, this arrives for you. 
It's one of a number of types of crosses from La Ribella. And it has been given to you by a preacher that made a huge impact on you. And he told you what each part of the cross symbolized. So as you look at this, you remember what each part means and you will get strengthened. See, there are two crosses here in the center. Christ's cross is on the top. It has a crown at the edges. If Christ came and suffered for me, it proves he loves me. You can take comfort from it. The cross below represents the repentant thief. Even when Christ was in agony, he had time to offer a sad, wayward man salvation. You can take comfort from that. Your sins do not exclude you from mercy. And then you see these figures here at the top. Those are the 12 apostles, ordinary men that God chose to take his gospel to the world. They formed the church. You can take comfort from that too because God builds his church from simple, ordinary folk. And then see the six wings. That refers to the six wings of the seraphim in Isaiah that surround the throne of God. To be reminded of the throne of God, where all the power in the world resides, hmm, it may look different, but if God's still on the throne, his will is being worked out. There's comfort in that too. So there's more in this cross than those symbols, but you get the idea. And that's how symbols work in Revelation. Instead of a cross, they've received a letter from someone they know and love. Someone who has gone through what they're going through. And these are the symbols he taught them. And they strengthen because they recall the power of his testimony and they point to the God who preserves. So the first picture of seven, as we said, means completeness. The seven lamps, we are told, represent the seven churches. That's the church, but the lamps are held by Christ. How does that comfort? It means that there are no surprises ahead. The church is in Christ's hands. It's safe there, seven, complete. Everything you need to know has been told. Everything you need to trust has been said. Seven, it's perfect. That's a big comfort if you're sitting in jail. In jail, you're wondering, what's coming next? Is all this really working out? Is God in charge? Yes. The church is in his hands, seven. There's nothing you haven't been told or prepared for. Seven, the biggest picture of all. And that carries into all the other sevens in the book. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. These are all revelations of what is happening, of the plan. And because they are seven, everything is revealed. The whole plan is there. Nothing is happening that is not within the purview and control of God, seven. Can you trust it? Can you feel the comfort? No surprises. It's all under control. It's all part of the biggest picture of all, the one that God sees. And that really does take fear away because fear often has to do with uncertainty. Is something happening to me that is out of control? Something that cannot bear fruit? Something that cannot be survived? And of course, that something might be death itself. Revelation is quite explicit that more death may lie ahead. But it's okay. Seven scrolls, it's all in the plan. Seven lamps, it's all in Christ's hands.
So, if seven stands for completeness, or totality, what does that tell us about the number six? Well, again, it's no mystery. Six is the human number. On the sixth day, humans were created. It's one short of perfection. Seven is perfect. Six is nearly perfect, but it's not perfect. It's trying to be, but it's not seven matters. The number of the beast in Revelation is 666. Six is very impressive, but it's not perfection. It's not God. So 666 means that something or someone is going to come along and ask for our worship. It's going to pretend to be 777. But it's not God. It's human. And 666 is out to take our worship away from God, even though it might not look like it at the time. For example, years ago, the church in China was told by the government to preach this message. Love country, love God. That's a 666 message. It looks like the gospel, but it's more human than divine. And it's designed to substitute for the truth. As a Chinese pastor once put it, subtly but surely, you end up telling the people what a wonderful country China is that you don't get round to telling them what a wonderful God they have. And suddenly, patriotism has substituted for the gospel. Now, there's nothing wrong with loving one's country, nothing much, but it's not the gospel. It's six, not seven. And six is the number that is always asking us to settle for something less than the fullness of Christ. So, we must always look out for the way we're being seduced if it's something divine. Or someone, instead of the divine, getting an eye for that will strengthen us through the hard times. So that's seven, that's six, or 666. And then there's another number, 144,000. It crops up three times in the book, and it's related to another number, 12. That's clear in the passage we're looking at here. In verse 3 it says, God is going to seal the foreheads of the servants of God. To be sealed by God is to be preserved, not from death, but for Him. He owns us, He loves us, He will take us into glory. So all these servants come from 12 tribes. And there are said to be 12,000 sealed from each tribe. And with all the thousands going on, you can make up a symbolic multiple of the innumerable people of God preserved by God, 144,000. That's 12 squared and multiplied by 1,000. That's a twofold way of emphasizing completeness. In other words, God leaves no one behind. All are preserved in his perfect plan, even if martyrdom is part of that plan. There may be horsemen galloping through the earth, plagues, war, famine, persecution. We're living through a period right now. The persecution of Christians has, and that's unusual. But the people of God, the true Israel, remain the apple of God's eye. Sealed, saved, nothing lost. Nothing has happened that has not been anticipated by God. No one lost. No one is dying in vain. The harvest goes on. Numbers, they matter. Not in the modern sense, where we're often defined by literal numbers, our credit score, the amount of money we've saved, 
the amount we owe, or the code where we live, the tax amount we pay. Those numbers do not define us. They're literal numbers. But we are Christians. We have symbolic numbers. And they comfort. They define us. Seven, be assured there are no surprises coming. God's in charge over the chaos. Six, be watchful. Someone somewhere is always trying to get us to give our energy to something less than God. 144,000, be joyful. Even through the strife and the tribulation, we belong that we'll be with God forever. Numbers. I remember meeting a dear Christian man. He ran an underground Bible press. But he was caught by the secret police and taken to the infamous Lubyanka prison. And they began to torture him horribly in the cell. They wanted him to go on television and say that Jesus Christ had slept with his mother. But he refused, even in the midst of excruciating pain. So the police played their trump card. They brought in his only son, handsome, clever, loyal, young, the apple of his father's eye. And they began to beat the son, forcing the father to watch. And he heard his boy moaning under the blows, the bones crushing, and then the awful screaming. And the pastor said, it was like they were hitting me. It was 10 times worse than the torture before. I was broken, and when I could stand no more, I opened my mouth to say, okay, stop. I'll do what you want. But he never got the words out because his son suddenly shouted as the blows rained down on him, don't give in, Father. I can see Jesus coming for me and he's beautiful. And he died. His son went to join the 144,000 and the pastor was comforted to know he was counted in that number, and he would see him again before too long among that throng. Strong comfort. What an amazing book God has given us in the Bible, that even the very numbers comfort us in the darkest places. Powerful story to end. We're going to worship together, mindful of the numbers that we've been taught about today. Seven, no surprises coming. God's in charge, even over the chaos. Six, be watchful. Someone somewhere is trying to get us to give our energy to something less than God. Four thousand, be joyful, even through to an ever-increasing tribe of saints forever. Let's just pray together. Father, as we gather in your name, as we've prayed for our brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted, we've come to give you our praise. We will not bow 